All right, log and load. Hi, friends. Colin, Nathan, Will Turner. Say hi, Will. Hi. Vito producing. Howdy doodly. There we go. And our special guest this evening, Dr. Carlos Stevenson Mastraccio, communications guru, unicorn, someone who works at McDill, but is a specialist in PR and communications and a former employee of the University of South Florida, as well as a graduate. Dr. Stevenson Mastraccio, how are you this evening? What's up, y'all? Thanks for having me. Uh-huh. So, Carla, um, like, you and I have been talking about this logo for, I don't know, since it came out. And yeah. we said, wow, this is bad. And then today, they made it go away. Your thoughts? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm still kind of mad because I feel like they, I mean, they can't even do the making it go away right. So, I mean, mean, you you screw up every step of the way and even your attempt, even your apology, you screw up. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's really just baffling to me how so many people can have a lot of experience in PR and marketing, working with university higher education, and still not do this right. It's amazing. And I, I don't really understand why that's the case. And I just I get really frustrated. So what is the issue with the exit strategy, my dear? Well, I mean, they really didn't say anything. They just said, hey, we're not using it. But they weren't really. It was like, so it's like I pulled up. I mean, I have the video that they got. They posted on Twitter. And then we got this weird email today, and it says, um, you know, like, last fall, we introduced this academic logo, blah, 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 blah. But it's a lot of, like, we statements. Like, we know that feedback comes from a place of great pride and passion. And we have listened. We have decided to stop using the new bull logo. Instead, we will adopt the iconic bull logo. We will also return to the traditional green and gold palette. And it's like that basically he's saying that, okay, we've made these decisions and we are not you. And instead of making a uniting statement where everybody is a we, it's like now you have the we and then you have the them. And it's a really like rhetorically, and this is what I do. I analyze language for a living. I mean, it was a very divisive us versus them kind of email. And people were so excited because they gave them what they wanted. They're not really looking at the nuances of this email or of the video. But I think if you really, if you really take a moment and break it down, like it's the strategy sucks and it's very arrogant. And it's like, we decided it was the best thing for the university. It's like, uh, no bitch, you didn't, you had to put up with months and months and months of people complaining. And you finally decided you were going to lose your job unless you changed. So this isn't really your decision. You are backed into a corner because you made a million dollar mistake. And I feel like the, the the tone of the email is we decided we were going to do the best. And then it, it does this really weird thing where he says, think of what we've accomplished under the bull you, the students we've attracted, the faculty we've attracted. It's like, OK, if it was that great, then why did you change it? So it's it's just really weird. Um And then it says, you know, we wouldn't be bulls if we didn't take risks. That's part of our nature to push boundaries, to venture in new directions, to try new things. And even if we have to turn back, you know, we grow and we learn and we have learned. And that was a good statement. And I think that should have moved up to the top. But now, so he does that. And then he's like, 
you know, we hope that we can continue to count on that support through this transition and into the future. You play a huge role in advocating for our continued success. So again, it's like, we know what's best and you should get on board. And it's not a very uniting kind of statement. And it's kind of a half-assed apology and a half-assed attempt to kind of, I don't know. I just, I wasn't comfortable with the way that was worded, the whole thing. It was just very convoluted. And, you know, for somebody who had a while to work on it, I thought this was a very, very poorly written statement. And it just reflected a lot of the problems, um, I think, that the university has in general. And it's kind of a window into kind of the ideology of that program. I can't believe this. One, one I completely agree with the last thing oh, you good. said. That, yes, that it is a very much a window into the soul of USF, which is, we are the staff. We know best. You need to shut up and get on board, which is why this logo lasted as long as it did in the first place. So it's very, there, I, it's, it's very rude. It's very arrogant. And it very is much on brand with what I would say Nate and I and many other people who deal with the university in a public fashion have to deal with day to day. Nathan, do you agree? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I'm hoping you wouldn't. <laughs> no, it's, oh, we're yeah. This is basically what we've been dealing, like what I've been dealing with, literally since I started the blog slash even before I started the blog. Like even when I was working there, I was starting to like go this direction, and it's bad. And that is just sort of like, well, you're the alumni and we work here, so obviously we know what we're doing, and you should just shut up and get on board. And that's not how this works, and it never has been, but it is definitely how USF has acted. Yeah, um, I agree not with that. just in a UCM, University Communications and Marketing, by the way, not just in a UCM capacity, but also in a multiple um, layers of the institution have sort of acted this way. I would say athletics, though within the past year, has become much more, um, let's say, touchy feely, feel good, on board easier to deal with over the last, you know, basically since the arrival of Michael Kelly. Um, athletics definitely could have jumped into this category, too, um, over the last many, many years. Nathan, do you agree with this as well? Yeah, I think there's a, a stark difference between pre-Michael Kelly and post-Michael Kelly and uh, just the engagement and how at least I have interacted with athletics, and I don't think we'll ever – get that way with the main campus, main, you know, entity of, you know, UCM that we have with athletics. And it, it, I was just thinking about, as you were talking, how many people in the higher up decision-making process of this were our USF alum? Like I know it's, it seems like it's taboo at USF to hire alums in upper management. Yes. Yeah. While other schools will, you know, they tell, Oh, we got, we got one of our, one of our own back in, back in the building. And it's so, like, oh. well, okay. So with the alumni association specifically, they have definitely made a concerted effort to hire more people that have graduated from the university. And that definitely shows. But that has not translated, I think, to a lot of ADM slash UCM slash other departments of the and university. I, I actually think it needs to be the opposite. And I love my no, association people. Don't get me wrong. But I think you learn best practices from other people who have, who have worked other places. And I feel like when you have a mix of people, like some people graduate from there, some people don't. I feel like it's a really good 
mix of ideas. And I, you know, and so some people who, you know, this is all they know, sometimes they can get a little bit stale or they might not really understand best practices because they've never worked anywhere else. Consequently, if you just work other places, then you really don't understand the culture. So I think there has to be a nice balance. Yes. And this is what I've said from like the jump, especially in athletics. USF athletics went from a little too many alum to too few. Um, and now I think they're starting to get back to that right balance of um, you need some, you do need some people from the outside. You definitely want some outside thoughts, um, some people that have experience at other institutions that can bring in some ideas, but you also need people that understand the culture of the university. And USF certainly has a very unusual culture as noted by the fact that they rolled this logo it out. Mildly. Yeah, that's putting, it's you. putting it very, very well put. Um, yeah. The culture of this institution is definitely different. Um, I think at a lot of other places, like somebody who rolls out a game, and by the way, all of that stuff you said previously about he, 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 that, um, you know, second person was, I assume, Joe Heiss, the chief marketing officer of the University of South Florida. Well, it's um, weird. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, like, because you, he was the one on the video. So, I don't want to the video. Him out. So, the email, I'm sorry. The email was over his name as well. So, like, it's, you know, he's right. taking responsibility here. Um, so, I agree with Willingly you. Willingly or forced? That is the question of some consternation. And, and uh, there are, I've heard multiple opinions on that um, over the last weekend for sure, at least since Friday. Um, so, I, I'm not going to get into motivations or who, what, where, when, why, how. Um, I thought one of the funniest things I heard was a certain um, person associated with the university who said to me um, while they saw that video, hey, you know what you can't see in that frame is Judy Genchev with an AK-47 pointed at his head because that is absolutely a hostage video. Well, I thought it was a weird video, though. If you want to, like, talk about it. It was super weird. It was super weird. Why are you doing it from your office? Why are you doing it from your office? It was so weird. Look at that piano music. Oh, my God. I mean, seriously, these guys are the worst. Like, I am seeing, like, I'm seeing such a correlation between, like, the David Strauss campaign for mayor and how he brought in an outsider and like USF and Joe Heiss. Well, I mean, to be how fair, they've gone through money gone through, at nothing. No. I mean, to be fair, they've gone through four CMOs in the last, what, five, six years. I mean, and they keep having the same problem. Right. I mean, and, and here's the thing. And the guy that was there before um, Tom Hoof, who worked for the Rays, yes. they put out this huge thing. They put this big push to get him. They got him. And then he was sort of forced to the side too, because he wanted to make legitimate real change. And as soon as he tried to bring that to the university, he got pushed aside. And well, that, here, seems, that seems to be the pattern here. Well, here's the pattern. And that's not, I mean, and I really do. And I worked for Tom when I worked at UCM. He was my boss. And it's because it comes from that the sense of empowerment comes from the top. And you, what you, what the top tells you is, I am a hammer. You are you are basically an extension of me. Whatever I say goes. So then they go to all the stakeholders and they're like, my way or the highway. And you know what? When you tell a dean that and the dean of engineering is like, I'm, I'm sorry, who are you? What's your name? When you are so forceful and so rude in meetings because you think you have the backing of the front office and you really don't because let's be honest, the university president isn't going to fall on her sword for you. 
if it comes between an argument with the dean of the College of Engineering, for example, or the College of Business, or the College of Arts and Sciences over you, you know, she's going to pick her battles, and it's not going to be you. So I think there's a false sense of empowerment that these people have, and I've seen it, and it's it's unfortunate because I think – they, you know, come in pretty arrogant to begin with, and then they're empowered to even more arrogant, and then it doesn't work, and everyone wonders why, and then they get mad and get fired. So, so it's almost like the president university hasn't done a great job of backing up their staff, and thus that's why there's massive amounts of turnover. And it's not, um, by the way, it's not just UCM. I mean, sure. it is, it is, it is medicine. It is I, deans. It is. I mean, you know, it's not that the president of the university doesn't back their staff. It's it's more of a, you know, when you are dealing with deans and, you know, basically little mini fiefdoms of their own colleges, you have to treat those people with respect and you have to find, okay, what can I do to help you? Not, oh, look at my great campaign. Here's what you're going to do for me. Those are two very different attitudes. And every marketing director for the last five or six years have come in with guns blazing, trying to tell, you know, deans of colleges that bring in millions of dollars and foundation directors that are responsible for a billion dollars, how to do their jobs. And it's, it's disrespectful and it's just not a, it's not a good way to go through life if you want to remain employed. See, here's the, here's the thing that like every, you guys are talking so much about the alumni, but from a student's perspective, cause I, I mean, being in, going into my third year of my undergrad, um, there's one very specific thing that was left out of the entire equation. The student's thoughts on everything. Because here's the thing. Right. Student government didn't, didn't, uh, student government probably had absolutely no say in the logo. So that, in student government, whatever you want to say about it, being a quote-unquote direct representation of the students, if they don't know what's going on, then how are the rest of the students supposed to know? Students had zero input, zero input in any of the process, and it just gets rolled out on us with no say, and we're looking at things going, why, like, and we're confused. And then down the road, we're going to say, okay, yeah, maybe we would we don't want to give to the university because they pulled a fast one on us like this. Okay. So will let me, let me help you out with that. So it's not just the students that got screwed over here. It's literally all, it's everyone. Oh, so, I'm aware. Yeah. yeah no, I agree. Like, I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not, look, here's as the analogy was put today, it's like somebody walked into um, a meeting and said, Hey, we're going to show you some of the new logo. And people that were not professionals in branding or communications or anything like that were shown logos and they said, and they walked into these meetings and said, aren't these great? So X, Y, and Z on campus already thinks these are great. Don't you think these are great too? And then even when Judy made the presentation at what's the name of the hall in the Marshall Center, I was just there for the Fest 56 event last week when that presentation was made. And then they unveiled the logo and nobody said anything. It was just like dead silence. And she's like, she stops in the middle. She goes, isn't this just wonderful? Or like, please clap. Basically it was like a Jeb Bush, please clap. And everybody's like, Oh yeah, great. This is wonderful. So then there was the oval theater. Thank you. The oval theater. And then like, there's like, everybody was like, Oh, this, so it was sort of like this thing. And everybody's like, okay. Nodding and smiling. And everybody who doesn't take a paycheck from the university is going, this is bullshit. 
And it was like Merrill Lynch looking ass logo. Merrill Lynch looking ass logo. And literally everybody. It's so funny. This was the ultimate emperor has no clothes moment. Oh, yeah. And they expected that everyone at the universe like, oh, well, everybody will just sort of get in line whether they like it or not. Guess what? Uh, You can say whatever you want about USF graduates. They take zero zero point zero percent bullshit, and I because think because they don't have it, to. Nobody, one, nobody's getting right. a paycheck from USF, so nobody has nobody. They don't have to, and I think that when you surround yourself with with people, people who have to, and right. you know, the outside is people who don't have a one hundred percent agree. But it goes even deeper than that, and I think it goes to the culture of the university, and that's well, because so many of us who went there didn't have like mommy and daddy paying for school and we had to pay our own way. And a lot of us worked our way through school and a lot of us love the university, but don't necessarily like just have this undying, unpassionate, everything they do is wonderful, you know, uh, in local parentis feeling about them despite having graduated. It's much more of a, I don't want to say transactional, but it's much more, all right, we're going to judge and assess this based on, you know, point by point, piece by piece. And it just seemed like everybody at USF went, this logo freaking sucks. And no matter how much you try and shove it down our throat, we're never going to get on board. And I think that just sort of goes to the culture of the institution. At a lot of other places, I think this logo gets through. People aren't happy about it, but they sort of go, all right, well, if the school's on board, we're on board too, whatever. See, I don't think so. I don't think so. You don't? No. Okay. No. Because I think that at other universities, they would have actually done market research and they would have focus grouped things in a way that was respectful. There was a meeting. Let me, there was a meeting where they were considering making changes before they made the $250,000 change by moving the bull's legs closer together. I thought that was was like 7,000 to be fair. Let's, we got to use accurate numbers here. Like I thought the moving of like the leg and the tail was like, wasn't it like seven or eight? It was like eight. It was yeah, like it was unnecessary eight. money, regardless. The Correct. redesign no, sure. was eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. The logo was two hundred fifty, not to move the legs closer, but the logo was two fifty. Um, right. Which is actually not that bad for, uh, in terms of a marketing perspective and and looking at what you're doing. Your redesign usually it's the client that's requesting all of these changes back and forth, back and forth. So that eight thousand really wasn't moving legs closer together it was probably a lot of different designs and that's what they ended up with but that said there was a meeting with faculty and a couple of other communication reps around the university and they come in and they said yeah thanks for your feedback we're probably really going to do what we want anyway and that's how they kicked off the meeting right and that just wouldn't fly at any other university so So, uh, yeah i i want to agree with you there like i think my point is, is that at most universities, if they have tried to force through this process, at some point, the proletariat and everybody else gives up and just sort of goes, all right, well, we lost. Da, 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 da. Mm, I don't think they do. You don't think so? OK. No, I don't um, because I think that, you know, pe- people listen to their alumni and your alumni is your bread and butter and your donors are your bread and butter. So you're going to want to make sure you have buy with them first. No, and I agree. But and at, at a lot of places, this process never would have been allowed. Because as our buddy Matt Morrison pointed out in his post, the data that they gave about the research, the market, quote, market research, end quote, that they did was just total and complete bullshit. And it could be proven to be bullshit. It was dishonest. I would I would I would go as far as to say we would not. And I you know, used to do public affairs for the Department of Defense. And you have to be really careful about things. Um, You know, you have to make sure you 
dot all your I's and cross all your T's when you're working, you know, with public, with, with data that is released to the public and also data that's used to make decisions and they really didn't. Correct. Well, it's the same so, way with the presidential search. You know, they yes. that, was, that was done so shadily and, and illegally, if I'm not mistaken, Colin. 100%. Like, look, you can argue that the way that we have to select presidents in the state of Florida, it is almost impossible to get a good president legally because of the public records restrictions and the way that the search process legally is supposed to be held going forward. So I, I, I can make that argument. But even granted that, this particular process was super like it was out there, you know? not to, and it was, yeah, and not to detract from the logo thing. It just there was no transparency, none at all. And this and, and the last two athletic director searches that I find now, the second search, I think we literally hired the best candidate we possibly could. We hit a home run. The previous athletic director search for Harlan was. I mean, Nate, were you there with me for that quote and interview end quote at the end where we're all like, this is a joke. Um, no, I hadn't. I hadn't started. I started with the blog in April of 2016. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you missed that. So like literally we go to this meeting and there is a search interview. There is a final candidates interview. There's one candidate and it's Mark sitting there across from, I think there were five people in committee and two of them weren't even there. One of them's on like a speakerphone. One of them's Jeff Vinnick. Um, and we're all just sitting there and like, we all know this guy's hired before he walks in the door. Why are we going through this charade? It was bizarre. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and this is, I get how the search process in Florida can be really, really bad because of, you know, the super openness of public records laws in Florida. You know, I get that it's, it's a struggle, but even having granted that, like, can we get a little bit of transparency on these things? And this logo process was, I think, even worse than any search process that I've seen for a president or an athletic director. Like this was even worse. This was this was downright like lying, scandalous, really, really bad. Now they walked it back. They they wasted a ton of money and time and effort and energy and whatever. And God only knows what the true cost is. We're going to get a hard dollar cost at some point. But what the true cost of this was is going to be even more than that. You count salaries, you count, you know, time and effort, blah, blah, blah. Business cards that have already been printed, T-shirts that have been made, all of that shit. Fine. Yeah, Um, they have to retract all that stuff in the bookstore. All that stuff in the bookstore has got to come back. All, you know, everything that's around campus, like... I get it. You got to pull all of that back. It was a complete and total flame out and cost like millions of dollars. And But I would argue that the process to even get to that point was so much worse and so much shadier than anything that I have seen at USF, where they're just out there like full profit. Like they are – anybody remember Saddam's spokesperson? Carla, you're old. Remember Saddam Hussein's spokesperson during the war who would just go out there and say, everything is fine. We are winning the war. Da, 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 da. Meanwhile, we're like flattening Baghdad. This is that's kind of what this was. It was like, you know, the school's going, no, this is wonderful. Everybody loves the logo. It's great. We've done all of this wonderful stuff. We're in Forbes magazine. We're getting, you know, all of this earned PR that, you know, we're doing all of these interviews saying how wonderful this new logo is and how great this new look is. And it was all bullshit. It was all stone cold bullshit. And it's super frustrating. And but at least they fixed it. 
they caved in and they gave in and they went forward. They didn't do the thing that I thought they would do at first, which is, well, they'll just start slowly not using the logo very much and just not say anything about it. And then you would slowly start to see other like marks and imaging come forward and blah, 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 blah. Just sort of like never publicly acknowledge the problem. They would just sort of like slowly roll it back and not ever say anything. Um, they didn't do that. They fully ate it 100%. And for that, I was very happy. It's still on the MyUSF homepage, by the way. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And you, they didn't give any of the departments permission to change anything. Like, usually when you do a rollout like this, you give them all the tools that they need so their IT departments can make those changes. And this was not – nobody got anything. I take it back. I just logged back in, and it is – Back on the page. It wasn't at about two o'clock this afternoon, though. Oh, they fixed okay. it. Yeah, they did. Oh, good. So yeah, Glad they fixed it. Well, other pages need to follow suit. Mm-hmm. And they and they will, and that's fine. Yeah. I'm like, you know, we'll give them a few days to get all of that together. That's fine. I'm not worried about that. the The bigger thing that I'm worried about is that you know the process here was really bad. Um, we can also talk about the USFL owned uh, branding firm, Carlo. Would you care to talk about? Your thoughts about Spark and how they handled this process? Um, I, I guess I don't know enough. I don't. Wor- I didn't work with Spark, and I've never worked with Spark. I mean, they have a good reputation. I think they've done like they did a visit Tampa Bay campaign, and they had a pretty good reputation. But I don't know. Was they have according to faculty and staff that are you know friends of mine who were in branding meetings and, you know, there was a branding council and all those things. And, you know, some people participated in that. And, you know, there were, there were so many aspects of engagement that they just kind of went through the motions of doing. And then they just kind of ignored all of the responses. (laughs) So I, I would say it's probably not the best way to go through life. If you are, you know, dealing with a client and then you are looking at elements that would help make a better brand and then just doing what you want anyway. That's probably not the best way to go through life, but apparently that's what they have done. So, but I don't really know the relationship between Spark and UCM and where that overlaps and where it doesn't. So that I'm not, a, I don't want to misspeak in that way because there's a lot that I don't know. But um, I know a lot of the staff and faculty felt really disrespected. So, um, the reaction to the video was not positive. Many. This is from Matt Morrison from a few months ago. Or I guess, well, actually, let's give a date on it. This is from Matt Morrison in November 2nd. Um, many focused on the misguided attempt to justify the logo through a 55-student focus group, which, quote, unanimously approved, end quote, the logo. Um, uh, several tweets pointed out the flaws with 55-person sample size. Um at the end of the video, it is claimed that 15% of the parents, high school, and college students surveyed went from unlikely to consider to willing to consider USF because of the logo, um, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Matthew really does a great job going through all of the data points here, point by point by point, and showing, showing that they were complete and total and utter bullshit. And I guess it finally just caught up with everybody. And uh, I'm I, look – I'm pissed off. We wasted a lot of money. We wasted time, a lot of effort. We're getting a new president July one anyway. All right. Um, they rolled this thing back fully and ate all the crow and just totally ate it. We can continue to shit on them for just yet another, you know, USFing. But I think, man, you know what? At some point, you're just better off 
you, I know you want to shit on people because I've seen your text messages. No, you're pissed. I think that there are, because I, I know how things work, you know, right. over there. And I, yeah. I, I think that if you are making a really good salary, I think, and, 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 you know, and people who are working for you aren't, I think it's your responsibility to be a good leader and to protect them and, to not have this like weird cult of personality where people are not, and I'm not saying this against the president. This is not about her at all. I think actually I really like her where people are forced to clap for something like you're in like North Korea, you know, like, and could, just because you work there, I think that it's better to listen to your people to understand their concerns and to say, okay, well, sometimes, Hey, you know, this is like not a cheerocracy. We're just going to do this because you know, what I say goes, you can do that, but you can't do that all the time. If you want to retain people. And I think there has to be a balance of, okay, this is the way it is. You're not read into some things that I'm read into. Here's what we're going to do. And all right, what are your concerns? How can, how can we listen to you? Because you have expertise and I want to value that. And I want to fold that into, you know, what we're doing because I value you as an employee. I completely agree. But like, this should not surprise us in any way either. I mean, when was the last time you saw Judy Genshaft interviewed by literally any media outlet? I mean, I think she Much does a great job. I honestly think she, Judy does a great job, and I was really happy to work with her and happy to work for her. Um, I think she's been a great leader. It, this isn't about her. I think it's about a culture that kind of stems from the executive office. She's part of that, but yes. I don't think that you can you can blame it on somebody who has raised a billion dollars and she's done awesome. Like our student success initiative. People said we couldn't do it. They said we couldn't get Phi Beta Kappa. They said we couldn't close the race gap or the gender gap. No, I have issues with how they did that. That's a whole other podcast, but we did it. And I think that she's done an amazing job elevating the profile of the university. And preeminence really isn't that important to me. I've written stuff on it. I have issues with the idea of it, but we got it. And you have to admit she's hit every benchmark that has been set for her. This isn't about her. I really do like her. And I think she's done a great job in a lot of areas. but. This area of public communication, respecting alumni, respecting faculty and staff, being inclusive and being transparent is something that has never really come from university communication and marketing. So I don't think it's a stretch to want to clean house in terms of the leadership there. And when I say leadership, I mean AVP and above. I think if you make $100,000 and you do this, I think it's really, I think you'll have a great home, just not here. I completely agree with your assessment. I would take some issue with, I I would probably put a little more accountability on on the leadership. Um, I would say that the culture that has been built by USF over the last many years has been very um, uh, skeptical, if not almost downright um, contrarian. Uh, that's not really the right word. Don't, towards don't, outsiders. Don't um, say USF. Just say Judy. Let's. I mean, let's no, I, no, no. But she hired a lot of people too, and and <clears throat> the people that she's hired. It's not just. It's not just Judy. I think you know. There's, but the culture has been created and hasn't really been done anything about. And you know, Judy has certainly a great reputation. When's the last time you saw her publicly interviewed on on camera or off by anyone in an, in a setting where you know, there's no, no holds barred. Like you can ask any question you want, you know, that's never happened 
You've got to wonder if there's going to you've got to wonder if there's going to be an exit interview and what that exit interview is going to entail. I don't think there will be now. You know, I think that might have been something that at one point, um, but I don't think that happens now because and if it does, I think it's with a you know, it's not necessarily with a a publication journalistically that, um, you know, would would do something about it. Yeah, I I think it's with somebody who would be willing to put conditions on an interview. Um, I don't think they get out there in front of a, a Claire McNeil from the Tampa Bay Times um, Megan Reeves just got here, but you know, she's pretty young, but there's, I don't think there is somebody who can, um, you know, from a journalism standpoint and make that interview happen. Meanwhile, on the other hand, you, whatever you think about Bob Buckhorn and there are certainly, you know, pro and cons there. Um, he talked to literally everybody under the sun every single day. Um, I think know, there's a big and, difference between Bob and Judy though. That's the, that's the biggest part. No, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I, but it's also about leadership and the culture you create. Look, as Carla said, five, eight, Kappa, huge preeminent status. They went after it. They got it. The one, the only thing left in the, the little, you know, I didn't, I'm not an Avengers person, but I see the people with the glove and the jewels. Like there's one jewel left and that's the only one that she, she didn't get. And that's AAU status. Um, and I know they're close and they've definitely been talking about it and they've talked to the AAU. But that's the only thing that's left academically for this institution to get to that's realistic. Um, she didn't get that, but literally everything else got there. And she deserves great credit for that. You know, the, the billion dollars raised, you can certainly quarrel with how that was calculated. All schools fudge the numbers. Um, you may also argue that USF has fudged those numbers to get to a billion dollars in ways that have stretch the limits of gap principles uh, very extensively. Um, I think that's a fair assessment that that billion dollars is certainly questionable in how it has been calculated. I'm incredibly proud. I'm incredibly proud of how that billion dollars is calculated. (laughs) And I think if you raise a billion dollars aside from like doing some really bad things, I want to trust the people that do that. Okay. Shout out to Joel and Judy. I think that was great. Um, all righty. I really, really loved working with Joel and I love working with Judy. I really, truly do. I really, truly do. And any criticism I have of the university communication and marketing, not even staff, just decision making and culture is coming from a place of no bullshit. I want as an alumni and as somebody, you know, who is pretty active in the Alumni Association and pretty active in my university. You ran the damn gala. I did run the damn gala. And we did, we, we quadrupled, I believe we did. And um, I believe we quadrupled the amount that we raised this year from last year. So, and, you know, we're really proud of that. And we're doing some great things, but, you know. And by the way, shout out to Judy, because Judy cut the check for the gala, too. She so did, and it was amazing. And she was really happy, and I was really happy. This is nothing to do, especially on, on my end. This has nothing to do with her her legacy. I think she's done a great job. But I do think there's a serious, serious cultural problem in university communication and marketing because this is a systemic problem that has gone on for years. It's not just this guy. Right. It's like the guy before that. Love you, Tom. I mean, Tom and I talked today. 
but there was a problem with Tom. There was a problem with John. There was a problem with the guy before that. I mean, like, when are you going to figure out it's not the people you're bringing in, it's the culture that's creating these problems? Correct. And that's, that was my TED Talk. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Will, your thoughts as a student? Uh, it just, I'm not satisfied. I, that, that's just so much money that you could have spent other ways. You know, you could have put it into more scholarships. You could have put it into, and I'm going to duck after I th- say this, an on-campus stadium. Oh! That's a lot more than a million dollars, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of other avenues. There's a lot of other things that you could have helped the student body do. You could have funded more clubs. You could have put more money into those clubs. You could have helped certain departments. You, you could have helped the arts. You could have helped athletic. There's so many other different things that you could have done with the money that you didn't get to do because you spent it all on a stupid logo. So I'm going to defend the institution against that, Will, just a smidge. So the problem that you have when you are a public institution like this and everything is publicly accountable is if you swing and miss in the private business and people swing and miss all the time, um, it's not publicly accounted for. But when you swing and miss as a government agency, um, especially to the tune of seven figures, it looks and sounds really bad. And mm-hmm. I get that. But if you don't take a swing every once in a while, you'll never make progress. So this sucks that we just pissed away over a million dollars. And, it, you know, I think it's safe to say at least a million at this point. And how much more than that, I think, is a, a subject of some debate. But, yeah, did they set a million dollars on fire? They absolutely did. Plus all the time and effort and energy that it took to get everybody else on board for this thing that everybody hated because the process was horrible. I totally get it. But if you don't do this every once in a while, if you don't take a swing and you miss, you never get anywhere. They could have done completely safe and just never done any kind of branding or never any kind of updating or anything like that. And while logically that's kind of actually what I would have done because I think the logo that they had was already great and it should have been the brand for the university anyway. You got to get some outside eyes in, get some other people. You got to get people bought in from other communities. It sucks. It sucks that you just set money on fire like this. But like, I don't want them to to govern or to be afraid to try something again next time that they're going to get shit on. You know, like this is a total whiff. But learn from this and then take another million dollars and try something else. Because if you don't, you're never going to get anywhere. You're never going to make the school better. Sure. And I love that opinion and I understand it. And I understand, you know, the whole point of, of college is, is, is failing and trying and, and overcoming those shortcomings. I, under, I understand that a hundred percent. Here is, let me add on to that point though. If you're going to do it, ask the people in the university, ask everyday people, walk up to a student and say, here's a logo that we're looking at. Do you like this? Just, Find a way to get the to get the people of the university involved. Find a way. They did that. They just didn't care. I was in meetings where we did that, and we all said, "I don't like this." And they said, "Thank you for your interest in national security. We're gonna do what we want." And I mean, we had a focus group where it was the entire board, and he came in, he presented, 
we presented a bunch of different options and we gave our opinions and none of those opinions were taken into account. I also sent him a note. I was really nice and I went up to him and I was like, hi, you know, I used to work at UCM and I, you know, there's been some issues year after year after year. You know, if you need any help, if you want to talk things through with me, you know, I work for um, X, Y, and Z, and here's what I do. I'm more than happy to meet with you um, because you just started, and the culture there could be kind of weird. So, you know, let's talk. So we set up a meeting, and then I got a note from his secretary that basically said, and it was pretty direct, he has more important people to meet than you. So we would love for you to call us back in September to reschedule our meeting. And if that doesn't tell you the state of things, then I don't know what does. It was probably the rudest, funniest email. I printed it out and I put it on my wall because it was so insulting. (laughs) I couldn't believe anybody would actually speak to me that way, Um, especially a board member and especially somebody that would, you know, was just offering to help in the nicest way possible. I wasn't arrogant. I wasn't mean. I wasn't rude. I was just trying to help. And and I, you know, I was just genuinely being a kind person. And if you're not going to respect the fact that I'm on the board, just respect the fact that I'm human and I'm an, I'm a decent human. And, a, and that's how you treat people. You know, you treat people with respect and dignity. And I didn't feel like I was treated that way. And, um, that's a, that's a cultural thing. And I was, you know, I, I had that email and it was, it was, I mean, I showed it to a bunch of people who were just laughing about it because it was so rude and I couldn't believe anybody would actually hit send on that email. But whatever. I would love to see that email. It's pretty funny. I can look it. I will look it up. And it's, it's. I mean, they basically said they have more important people to meet with than you. You need to reschedule and you need to call us back in September or whatever month it was. And this was Joe. Yeah, and his, it was his. It was his um, EA, but I mean, it was coming from his office. <laughs> it was. I mean, I can probably look it up now. I mean, if you've seen his Twitter picture, you it, that to- makes total sense. <laughs> Let's look it up. Hold on. How do you spell his last name? L O S E R. No. Heist. H I C E. You're a monster. Look, I'm not. Look, I don't. Look, I don't question people's motives. I don't know Joe Heist. He followed me on Twitter last night, as well as you, um, Nate. I believe. Yeah. I was really, ho- I was really was hoping funny. for a DM, and did not happen. Oh God. All right, so here's one fun. of them. We went, we went back and forth. Here's one, of, one of the emails. Good morning, Carla. We will have to table this coffee meet for a few weeks. Mr. Heist is having to meet with all three campus leaders in the next few weeks. Please reach out to me mid-August. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of nice. No. <laughs> no, it's not. No, that's awful. <laughs> not really. At least, a, at least it was thank you. There was a couple in here. Um, Did oh, they spell your name right at least? And then I sent back and I said, I'm sorry, I have a board retreat, blah, 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 blah. And then she goes, please send me an email in a few weeks. We will try to schedule that. Joe does not have any availability late in the day these next two weeks. Thank you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm not responding. Like, whatever. You want me to talk to you, call me. Like, you know where I live. So, yeah. At least there was a thank you. At least there was a thank you. At least it wasn't a warmest regards. Warmest <laughs> you regards. You didn't or get an emoji like double finger. You did with, not get two emoji double fingers on the way out. Which, I know, did not. But plus, I mean, it, but the idea that, I, you know, you have somebody, you know, and again, if you're not going to respect the position that I hold, 
or anybody on the board holds, at least respecting you because I'm a human and I'm a nice person and you just treat people the way you want to be treated. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down with the nice person stuff. So yeah, I, I agree. Okay. So that's definitely a bad email, but I don't want to like paint somebody with a broad brush. I clearly thought that this guy did not have a clue how the culture of this campus worked. And you could tell by the rollout and his, you know, consistent, like, I, I think the thing that showed me, like, there's no way he's ever going to get it was the video, um, the what mean video? tweets video. So they made a mean tweet after they rolled out the logo and everybody shit oh, on it. Oh, yeah, the mean tweet video. That was really Which was rude. only supposed to be internal, and we end up having, but then obviously somebody told us about it, so then we FOIA it, and then all of a sudden they release it as, ah, ha, ha, look at the jokes. Isn't this funny? Blah, 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 blah. And the only reason they did that was because it was getting it was coming out publicly and they had to cover their ass. Really? Uh, I didn't know that. That's it. Oh, yeah. Nate, someone foiled it. That would be you, Nate. Actually, that would be you who foiled it. <laughs> I was going to say Nate, Nate was on that. <laughs> that was, was Nate's foil. I don't think it's that bad if it was internal. I mean, but, but don't that do that publicly where, you know, we're going to find it. They don't know we're going to find it. They know we're going to find they it, dude. They don't know. They don't they're know. So, they're so Then, then you're stupid. Cool. Then yes. you're stupid. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Well, yes. Okay. It's the it's the culture that they don't think anyone's going to care or find it. That's the culture. Fair. And it's sad because it's like, you know, that was an internal thing. That changes my opinion on it. I don't think it's that bad now. It was horrible. I don't think it's a good idea to release it like you meant to do it. That's even worse. Yeah. Well, so, they did after they foia it, so, yeah. So Jamie has been on this uh, kind of kick comparing um, New Coke to this uh, rollout. And he, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of spot on, and um, he, he sent us this little thing about, uh, I guess it was on their Wikipedia page, about the New Coke rollout. Um the company intentionally changed the formula, hoping consumers would be upset uh, and demand that the original formula uh, to return, which would in turn cause sales to spike. And one of the main guys for Coke answered the speculation by saying, we're not that dumb and we're not that smart. Like USF, USF communications and marketing. We're not that dumb and we're not that smart. But it's not everybody. There are some amazing people that work there. And I, you know, 100%. they're hardworking and they are, they work for nothing and they yes. are, you know, and you can play armchair quarterback all you want, but like right. unless you're in that office, like you don't really know how that is. But I also think that it's really top heavy. I mean, when you have that, this, I, I don't like the big gaps in salary like that when it's like just a couple people, um, a few people that work there. I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. The money gaps at USF continue to be still very very large. But I don't know why you need it. Well, I don't know why you need one logo for everything. Other schools have your regular academic logo, which is mostly like block, you know, Sarah font. And it looks like the one we currently have or when we had, and they have like an athletic logo that which has some sort of animal on it. And I don't understand why you, why you, I don't understand why you just can't have both. Um, because then you can't justify a salary of $280,000 a year. Oh, so well, there you go. <laughs> so was there was there a reason why the USF block logo that they used at for most of academics 
was there a reason why they, they wanted to change from that? It seemed clean. You could put it on anything Everything. that you wanted. Oh, I'll, I'll go there. So the, um, originally, and, and I think Nate and I have talked about this publicly. The plan was, is to take that, the bull that is now dead and make that the athletics logo too. They wanted a single brand for the entire university. And, and I, that would have created a riot down Fowler Avenue. Yeah. I mean, and, and to be fair, there were a lot of people in USF athletics who had to basically run and, and set fires and say, you cannot do this. You cannot do this. You cannot do this. And that goes back to even before Michael Kelly. This is like a Mark Harlan slash Michael Kelly slash a lot of other people in the athletic department that had to like literally go, no, this would be the most disastrous thing you could possibly do. And we absolutely will not do it. Um, and they, but they had to scream and yell bloody murder to make that happen because I mean, I, I'm not kidding that dis, that you that is, or that not you, that bull that is on top of the medical center right now could just have easily been on top of the Selman center and, mm. uh, and on the 50 yard line at football games. Oh yeah. And it was that close to happening and it would have happened if UCM had their way. Well, and, and, and reportedly a good football coach we know was, was part of the reason was part of it. Yes. He is absolutely part of it. Um, there were other people in the athletic department too. I don't want to go through like name by name, by line by line, um, of the people that I know. Cause I, there are people that I don't know that I would absolutely leave out too. Um, but yeah, this was, that was really close to happening. And can you imagine, I mean, can you effing imagine if they took that, dog shit logo that everybody hates and made that literally the only brand that the university has anywhere. Like what if that, what if the new Adidas jerseys had rolled out with that logo? Can you Um, imagine? I think, yeah, that would have been really, really bad because the story would have been just from a news cycle perspective. It would have stayed in the news cycle longer. People would have been more upset and it would have been more of an embarrassment. So it's, I mean, it's fortunate that they didn't do that. I I mean, You know, it's just sad. The whole thing is just sad to me. It's a, it just makes me sad because they have such potential. They have great people who work there. I mean, there are people that work at UCM who have a lot of experience and a lot of great ideas. Years and years and years of marketing PR experience for major companies. We're talking like Fortune 100 companies. And those voices are not heard. And it's just sad that it's consolidated but with like five people and not with like the 30 that work there or the 20 that work there, you know? And I, I just from a leadership perspective, it just makes me, it just makes me really sad. So on July one, this is all going to change anyway. So that's why I don't want to get too freaked out about it. Look, if, if we didn't have a new president coming in, if we didn't have a leadership change at the top of the university coming, sure. Would I be still screaming bloody murder about this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the president of the university for, all of the good things that she's done and all of the things that she's done that maybe haven't been the best. She's leaving July one, no matter what. So that's why I'm not too freaked out about this. Let's let the new guy get in here. Let him pick a new team. Let's change some of the things about the culture of, of not just UCM or ADM or everything that's happening at the university. Let's bring some new, get some fresh blood in here, some fresh ideas. Um, let's try and make this a more student centric experience. Uh, for the undergraduates, because I think that's the thing that's really missing right now. Um, and if we can do that, everything else will fall into place. We'll be I fine. Mean, I would also challenge, you know, anybody 
at the university that's listening to this podcast. I know a lot of people in administration do listen. I know a lot of people in DOD listen because they've told my husband, like, hey, you know, Carla was on the Daily Stampede, and he was like, the Daily what? So I think there are a lot of people at CENTCOM and SOCOM and DOD that are USF alums that listen. So shout out to my peeps. But, I mean, I, I would challenge anyone – who is in a position to make a decision about students and about the student experience and whatever benchmark on that preeminence checklist that you have to hit. Think about actual student user experience. And I would challenge you to spend the night on campus for about two or three days. And I know that sounds really weird, but if you experience things by walking to, you know, point A to point B by trying to park like a student, trying to do the same thing, <laughs> you know, trying to really cre- recreate that experience and just be like, okay, where does that, the ch- where does my expectation and what is reality, where is that gap? And how can I develop policies and things to help students to help, you know, close that? Because sometimes you might think something's a great idea, but when you actually do it, it doesn't really work in practice. Oh, so absolutely. really trying to understand like live live on campus for two or three days spend a weekend try to walk from you know a dorm to the pool uh, a dorm to cooper hall try to get something on a meal plan and see if there's any breakdown in the system you know and i would really encourage administrators to really understand the student experience if students aren't choosing usf that you really really want like think about why the answer is not in a spreadsheet The answer is a lived experience, and you have to take that into account. So I would really encourage that to happen. And Dr. Carroll, and here's the thing, the rumor is is that Dr. Carroll is actually going to live in the Lipsy house. Um, Since that thing has been built, no university president has lived in it, which counts both um, Ms. Castor and Ms. Genshaft. Um, neither one of them lived in there. And I think it might be helpful to actually have a university person, you know, so tiny. It is I tiny. Never live there. Well, have you been upstairs? Cause like the upstairs yeah. is actually, it's a little, it's not bad. Like, I don't know if mm. Mr. Carroll has any kids or not, but like, if you don't have kids, like there's plenty of room if you're upstairs. Um, here's, mm. here's a major thing. And I say this as a student and I lived on campus, uh, my first year. So the school year of 17, 18, um, honestly, that year I felt, and I honestly, I still feel this way. I feel so disconnected from the university as a whole because there's a lot of things that the housing situation, dining situation, they're not on the same page with students. They're not asking what students want. And when they do, Carly absolutely said it. They're not listening. They don't care. They don't, they don't care what the students have to say. They say, oh, yeah, we appreciate your feedback. No, they don't. They don't care. But your care. competitors care, and your competitors are kicking your ass. Oh, so yeah. instead of being really self-congratulatory and being like, look how great, we, how great we are and look how many great things we've done, and that's fine. But look at where, where we're falling short in those areas. So if you have a demographic of students that you're not getting, and that demographic will help you get X, Y, and Z, or you really feel like, okay, we're coming forth consistently in terms of uh, false student profile, then why really look at that? And you can't look at the numbers on a spreadsheet. Like no. you've got to ask people, like, why did you make the decision that you made? And don't ask the people that chose USF. You have to ask the people that chose UF or FIU or FAU or wherever. 
And you've got to really develop a, a, a deliberate strategy for admitting the students you want and then also making sure they show up the first day. You got to close that sales funnel. Oh, yeah. I don't really see them doing that. But before you do that, you kind of have to understand what makes the university tick and where the breakdowns are in the chain to get that person on campus freshman year, first day. Why? Here's the thing. How can you build? Let's see. Probably I want to say it was five at the end of it. How can you build five new residence halls and not have and not add a single new space of resident parking, but in fact, take away from resident parking? How is that on page with student demand? That's crazy. I didn't realize they did that. They they actually they took away when they started building the Publix because the lot that I used to park at when I was first there got taken away mid-December. I got a call at State High School Football in Orlando. I got a call from a 947 number I pick up and they and they say, yeah, make sure your car's not parked there because they're going to build the new Publix. And I straight up asked the dude, I said, well, where am I supposed to park? He said, I don't know. I was just supposed to call you and tell you not to park there. Right. Yeah, that's a communication thing. That's a breakdown in communication. Um, you know, and that's, and that's unfortunate, but I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I, there's a, there's a lot of issues there. I mean, mm. you know, making sure the surrounding area is conducive to walking and parking, that means making it safer. Um, but there's a lot of complications to doing that too. So, I mean, there, the, the issue with that is, you know, very multifaceted, very you know complicated, but yeah, they should definitely have better, internal communication and they should kind of look for the breakdown in communication so that students don't feel angry and disconnected. Part of that might be um, they're trying to encourage on-campus living too, uh, more so than just your freshman year. Mm. Or catering the bullseye. Cars. Uh, I don't know how well that's going to work out. I mean, Usually you live on campus your freshman year, unless you're in a really small school where you live on campus for four years. But usually your freshman year you live on campus, and second one you get an apartment with your friends. Mm. So yeah, that's I mean, that, that, that's how mine went. Or yeah, no, I went home too. if you I'm had sure the opportunity. The, right. Yeah. So I just feel like they need to really understand. You want to encourage more people to live on campus, but you know your bread and butter is going to be your first time in college student. So just make sure that they have a good experience and then have, and then help that experience all four years. I just don't see them. I don't see them doing that. Um, and it just really, it makes me, it makes me really surprised because your competitors are 100% doing that. And it just, I don't understand why you wouldn't. And I think what they're doing is they're coasting on being in the state of Florida with a lot of people who are going to apply and then just end up at USF. And I don't yeah. think, and even though they say they're not doing that, the, the lack of strategy tells me that they are. I'll tell you right now, there's no communication from housing in the Facebook groups that they that they have, the, yeah. the class pages. Ever since uh, Greg Bowers took the uh, promotion, I don't know what his new job is. I can't, I couldn't tell you, but ever since he took that promotion, there has been little to no communication between housing and residential education to the students through the class pages, which is unacceptable because how are the students supposed to know what's going on in the residence halls? How are students supposed to know what's going on in the university? How are students supposed to know anything, really? Well, yeah. they could use the email list that, they're, that they 
they hoard and don't let any departments use, including athletics, to send out anything to anyone ever, they could start using that a little bit more to try and inform people about what's happening all over campus. Well, um, it's too easy. I know. Don't get me started. All right. Uh, we've done like an hour on the damn logo. Um, so I guess this yeah, has been, been our a lot. The Daily Logo Pede. Um, and thank you for listening to the Logo Naughty podcast. Um, but and, and again, we don't want to shit on everything. Look, man, July 1, it's all going to change anyway. Mm. So there's no need to freak out. The right brand. This, did they set a lot of money on fire? Absolutely. But you know what? Using the damn iconic U is what they should have done in the first place. And that's what they're going to do now. They listened. They got it done. It's going to be fine. Um, we've got a brand for the university that I think holistically everyone basically loves. Like, you don't ever hear any people say the iconic U, oh, that sucks. Nobody says that. You know why? Because it's really good. So we it took the one really thing. Logo. The one thing we did right in the last 20 years as a brand and as an athletic department is now the brand for the entire university. Um, I think that's awesome. I know some faculty probably aren't super psyched about that, but you know what? Use the seal. And I'm fine with like a secondary academic logo, but like it better not suck the way that the one that they created did, or just go back to the one that we had that was fine. I don't think anybody had a problem with the one that was there before. Nobody no. cared. So, nobody cared, mm-hmm. right? So it's fine. It's all fine. It, they set a bunch of money on fire. You know, stupid people made stupid decisions. Shit happens. It's all going to change on July 1 anyway. There's no need to panic. We are how many days away from football? I would really like to tailgate as the new logo comes on the building. So there are. <laughs> there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. I know. <laughs> there's a, it's 116 days till the Wisconsin game, by the way. Like, and your football team's going to be better than everybody. Will, you're, you're on this more than I am. Like, do we both agree that football is going to be better than people think next year, correct? Uh, yeah, I think that's an accurate assumption. I mean, and. Looking forward to the next two years, I think the recruiting is getting better. The recruiting is a lot better. And I think this class that you just brought in, although there's not a lot of Tampa Bay talent, at least in the recruiting class. Now, if we're talking the transfer class, the transfer class I'm excited about because, you know, I I, I got my boy Dakota Trice back. And KJ Sales and Mike Hampton on islands. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's play nine on seven football. And stick those guys on islands, and they can play man up, and then everybody else can like it after the quarterback. I think that is next exciting. Two, I think these next two years are going to be pretty darn good. I think they're going to be fine, and I think we're going to, you know, d- football has to win a championship at some point. Like that's that's the standard. Until that happens, we're all just treading water. I get that, but I think they're going to be in the mix for that over the next couple of years, and I don't think. You know, people realize that now. Like this football team's going to be good next year. What you saw at the end of last year is not going to happen again. Because we don't have a dipshit as the offensive coordinator calling stupid plays. And the talent's increased. And well, and Charlie, Charlie, Charlie also seems a lot more relaxed, too. That too. For sure. I've heard sure that. I haven't happen. seen him, but I've heard that from a lot of people. Um, over sorority rush. Can we make sure that doesn't happen? That'd be great. Hmm. <laughs> uh, wishful thinking, unfortunately. Seriously? I think so. They're yeah. not fixing that? They are attempting. I can. Yeah. These things happen. All right, we've gone on too long. So thanks for listening to the Daily Logo Pete. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed this. Um, the logo has changed. Enjoy uh, the iconic U. It will be your logo for a while. Go Bulls. Um, and we will come back. And Do we want to do a quick sports wrap-up? Carly, you don't have to stay for this. Oh, but we're going to talk about like but golf if, and tennis and baseball and shit. 
Anyway. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really mad about this logo thing. Uh, we can tell. I'm All right. Love you, boo. Thank you. Bye. Feel better. Bye. Thanks, y'all. Bye. 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 So congratulations to USF Softball, your 2019 regular season American Athletic Conference champions. <laughs> A great job by them. Kenny wins another ring. Um, again, they started out the season first weekend. We're like, oh, God, this might be really bad. And what do they do? Of course, they win the conference championship because Kenny always get it, gets it fixed. He always does. Um, a 1-0 win over Wichita was enough to put them over the top. They'll be the one-seed conference tournament starts Thursday. For some reason, softball, which is even more random than baseball because they play less innings and the game is just basically pitcher, um, has a single elimination conference tournament, whereas like 99% of baseball tournaments are double elimination or pool play. It's really dumb, but that's the way they do it. It's not going to matter. I think USF is safely in the tournament already um, with a conference championship this year. So congrats to the Bulls. Georgina Korak had a string of, I think it was, the final number was 47.2 innings consecutive without a run conceded. Is that correct? Something like that. It, I'll tell you straight up, it's hard to do that. It's <laughs> ridiculously hard to do that. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to get a complete game shutout. I mean, I've, I'll watch because, you know, my high school softball days, I've watched a lot of softball over the last 12 weeks. It is incredibly hard to throw that ball in spots. And to hit your spots time after time after time after time and just full hitters in my goodness, Georgina Korik, ooh, she just, I, I don't know. There's just something about her. She just, she just, she just commands her, she, her stuff is just so good that nobody can touch it. And when you have a pitcher like that, you don't need to throw anybody else. You don't need to throw Doyle. You don't need to throw Eggins. You don't need to throw any of them because you've got Georgina Korik and she'll win you, she'll win you a tournament by herself. I mean, cause you have to think going back to travel ball days and, you know, all the, all the long hours. So these pitchers are used to throwing sometimes three, four games in a day up to 300 Ugh. pitches, you know, Ugh, that's terrible. Exactly. So, yeah, honestly, if I'm Ken Erickson, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly not because there's a reason why he is as high as he is. Um, I throw Georgina throughout the whole tournament because nobody can oh, touch yeah. her. No, I mean, why would – yeah, you're not barring some reason to match up or like, you know, you do the thing where you pull a girl, you pull her for a single batter for a matchup and then you put her back in. Um, that's the beauty of softball. You can do that in softball one time. Mm. Um, you know, maybe you go that way, but like otherwise, nah, man, you run her ass out there until her arm falls off. Um, one of the craziest things, and you know, I think we've discussed this on the podcast before. USF played Hofstra, Hofstra in the Super Regional in 2000, and what year was that? 12? Yeah, it was 12, I think. Um, before they went to Oklahoma City, and the girl from Hofstra threw a four t- had thrown every game, every inning of their tournament run. Um, and then through a 14 inning, um, game against USF winner goes to, um, Oklahoma city and man, she just kept cranking out there. And that was one of the most amazing things. Eventually like USF got to her and won, but you know, you can just pitch in softball until your arm falls off. It's totally fine. You know, you're going underhand and you're not going to do any like long-term damage or anything. Um, eh, it, it, I, it, it, here's the thing. It just depends too, because, 
at least on the high school level, you know, I've, I've seen a couple pitcher these pitchers this year that have had some arm issues and they keep going out and, you know, then you're risking some long-term damage, but I don't think this is the case, you know, you're not messing up a softball. pro softball. You're not messing no. up a pro softball career. No. I mean, well, they're, they're so, here's the thing though. You have four to five pitchers on your staff. That's the thing. Right. And a lot of them you're you're so selective with your pitchers when you recruit them in the first place, they're all going to be good. This is true. And, you know, I know you're out there covering softball. Like, is there a pitch count in high school softball? No, there's not. And that can be debated as a bad thing because, you know, you get into these 21 to 17 games, and which there has been. Um, and girls, you know, on teams that don't have a second pitcher, girls are throwing the ball 191 times in a game. Jeez. That's an actual stat line. Wow. Um, that's crazy. So, uh, mm. other things happening here. Um, congratulations to men's tennis, um, beats Alabama in the first round of the NCAA tournament, loses to number two, Texas in the second round, but they picked up the doubles point off Texas, which what? That's Apparently big. very impressive. Yeah. Um, so congrats to Ashley Fisher and his team, um, winning the conference championship yet again this year, um, and getting back to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Another nice win. Hashtag Springer Rings. Congratulations. Country Club School back at it once again. Men's golf uh, is heading to Stanford as the sixth seed in the Stanford Regional, where they will try and advance to the NCAA Finals once again for the first time, I believe, in three years since it's been since they were at the concession. I think 24 teams make it in softball, if I'm not mistaken. And so they will be trying to get back there. Um, but they make NCAA play yet again. Did not win the conference championship for the first year in five this season. But again, with a young group, they also, the, the talent in the conference is significantly improved. So they pr- didn't project to necessarily win it this year, but they should be right back on top. Um, or at least in the mix for it again next year and the year after. They're pretty young this year and uh, wanted to get better. Who are we missing here? Baseball. Baseball. Ugh. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't know what to think about baseball right now. Can't, can't, um, they can't throw the baseball, which is definitely an issue. Mm. Um, can't, can't stop anybody. You know, Aww. it's a problem. So they really need uh, nine teams in the conference, only eight make the tournament in Clearwater. Um, and the last time USF missed the tournament, I believe Lalo Prado eliminated USF from the tournament. Um, when he was coaching at Louisville in, I want to say 2005, I believe that was it. Um, USF needed to win one of the last three to make tournament, and then Louisville swept them at home. Um, and that was the last time USF missed conference tournament, I believe. Well, uh, hats off to Joe Janord, regardless. Dude's hitting the cover off the ball, 349, 13, and 50 driven in um, on the year, and 32 runs scored, and... 13 doubles and dude, yeah, they can hit the, the cover off the ball. Yeah. I mean, hey, Kyle Phillips too. Julio Cortez is coming to his own. Alex Bello has come into his own. I mean, he had that big walk off. What was it last week in the weekday game? Yeah. Um, that was, I, yeah, that was good. And then they, US did win on Friday. I want to say also. Yeah. In Memphis, is that on, correct? They won on Friday, 10, seven. Oh no. Bello had the walk off against Houston on the Sunday finale. That's what it was. Checking standings here for baseball because 
Nate's not here, and I'm not prepared. They're a um, game behind Wichita State. Game behind Wichita. Wichita does not have tiebreaker, though, correct? We should have tiebreaker on Wichita? We play UConn this weekend, then we have we have to play uh, Wichita State the last weekend of the year. And that's with oh. games against Florida and Jacksonville mixed in, which yeah, obviously don't mean anything. Yeah, don't mean anything. You know who can pitch in those games? You and me. Because unless this team wins the conference tournament, they're not going anywhere in the NCAAs. So they should probably try and qualify for the conference tournament first. Um, they are 5-13 and 13 in the league right now. Wichita State is 6-12. and 12. That is the battle for the last spot. Um, UCF is the seven seed right now. They are nine and twelve in the league, um, obviously with a series in hand. So that is uh, where we're at right now. And so um, we start yeah, breaking we'll, even at five hundred, which you know a while ago we were kind of wondering if they were even going to do that. Yeah, but five and thirteen in the league, no es bueno. Um, meanwhile, yeah. oh. those schmucks from ECU that we were you know talking crap about last year and having Joe Janort hit bombs off of um yeah they're 16 and 2 in the league and 36 11 overall and i think i saw somewhere where they look they look like a top 8 seed right now um so they're not just hosting a regional they might be hosting a super regional so um yeah that's where we're at with baseball no bueno so we got one good bat sport and one bad bat sport well, Didn't women's women's tennis made the final of the conference tournament and lost to the so. team up the street unfortunately so, yeah, that didn't work out so good. And I don't believe they made the NCAAs, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they did not make NCAAs. Okay. But, again, they made the final. So, congrats to them. Wonderful. People ran track. That's my summary. KJ Sales, transfers. The, uh, you will, I would think it's fair to say that we were a little more excited about the transfer of Mr. Sales than you are. Tell us why. I'm going to I'm going to hold my comments. I mean, here's the thing. He went to my rival high school. He went to East Bay. <laughs> I went to Irving. But it's not all about that. I don't know. I I don't know. It feels like it's all about it was, that. I don't think he was a power five coming coming out of high school anyway. Wow. I mean, and but that's just me. I think he was a G five. Any I think he was D one, a hundred percent. But I think he was a G five rather than a P five. Um, I don't know. I, I I think it'll be good if you can get him in a system. I trust Steve Ellis in this case. I trust Steve Ellis. Okay. All right. Oh. So we get KJ Sales in the door. Big pickup in the transfer portal. Looks like, again, the portal has been good to USF, which it basically traditionally has been for the last, you know, ever since the program went to to the FBS level. Charlie's um, transfers. Yeah, Charlie's done well with transfers, but USF as a whole has just always done really well in the transfer market. I think there's some appeal to where they are as a school. It's still a high enough level where you can get drafted and make yourself competitive, but it's not, um, you know, so outside of the realm that you know some where you can't take some, some chances on some people. Um, I'll tell you straight up, Dakota Trice is going to be a steal. He's a kid that I think could really be on scholarship very early. In his tenure at USF, I think if he becomes instantly eligible, I think he's a kid that could really make an instant impact because USF is, doesn't have a whole lot of depth at the linebacker spot, a whole lot of experience depth, and he has that. Plus, he's a Bay Area kid. He knows the system. You know, He played in that same kind of defense at Brandon, played in that same kind of defense at Jacksonville. I think, I think he's a kid that could really make a big, big splash pretty early. I don't care if he is 5'11". He's a dog. So if he was good, why did he play Jacksonville? 
because he was severely under-recruited at Brandon. Okay. Severely under-recruited. Nobody really heard needed. a football that, player coming out of Brandon. Exactly my point. There's a reason why all their players go to Armwood. <laughs> Only scouts go there for wrestling. That's it. Exactly. Fair commentary. Um, so we have uh, questions. We actually have a guest question asker. Oh, wow. You guys know who, who he is. A, we have a on. bunch of questions, don't we? Who's you our guest a, question asker? It's Cedric. Oh, hi, hey, buddy. Hello, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Are you? Good. All right. You guys ready for some questions? Fire. This is the All first right. time for Cedric's voice. This is fun. <laughs> I'm very Canadian. My fellow Canadians. <laughs> hello, hello. All right. Uh, so let's start with uh, Austin Hirsch. Uh, I'm trying to get some coworkers on the USF football bandwagon for this year. What is the one thing you would say to convince them to believe the hype? Well, Austin, um, you work for me. So why are you um, why are you sending this question to our Twitter account? Um, by the way, great job. Uh, Austin has been basically our product manager at my company, and he's done a wonderful job. And he also starts the Vinick MBA program here in September. So he's going to be part-time with us when he starts that program. And that really sucks because I basically torture him at work every day with random jobs and duties, and he does an amazing job with them. Um, I think the – look, man, I'm all in on this new offense. Um, when they go first play of the spring practice and they go Mitchell Wilcox over the middle for like 70 yards for a TD, I was like, where has this been? We got athletes all over the field. We got somebody who can put them in the space to use them. We're not just putting – like trying to have offensive line that linemen that – naturally should weigh in the 270 to 280 range and try and make them 310 powders that are trying to pancake people. We're putting people in positions to win. We're using the talent that we have. Um, it makes a hell of a lot more sense. Uh, and I think it's going to be really effective. So I am all in on this offense. Defense should be a year older, you're better. Um, they lose some talent, but not an overwhelming amount. Um, and I think we're going to be fine. I'll give you something. Swagger. Yep. Swagger's <laughs> back. I um, think, uh, I think, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, Willie Taggart swagger, but, you know, I think it's good. I think Charlie, Charlie, we mentioned it earlier, Charlie just looks so much more loose. And, I mean, he's bench pressing in off-season weightlifting. You know, uh, your coach could never. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Mike Gundy go ahead and get under the bar. He's forty. He's a man. Man, he's forty. I think. I think. I think the fact that Charlie's a lot, lot more loose is something to be really excited about. Just show him the video of the first play of the spring game. Mm. Yeah. Right. Um. Next question. Next question. All right. Uh. So this one comes from Paul Michael Acosta. Uh, this next question is, what do you think the next sport is that will need a new head coach at USF? Ooh. Seems Ooh, to be doctor. a stable department right now, and bonus points to call out the next fired and the next to be hired away. Track and field. Yeah. I think in terms of track, we are just so dramatically and drastically underperforming as a program. And have been for now, I mean, six years, seven years. Like, yeah, it's almost a decade. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is ridiculous. Like, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna put the damn trophy out there, if you're gonna compete with the idiots down the street for a quote all sports trophy end quote, then compete in all sports. 
but USF just appears to have absolutely no desire to compete um, in five sports, and that is men's and women's track, women's indoor track, and men's and women's outdoor track or cross country, um, men's and women's track, and and women's indoor track. And I think we compete in a limited way in like men's indoor track, but we don't like compete as a team. We don't like try and compete team for. I don't know how it works. There's something going on there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about you know kids turning left and running fast. Like I, this is not my area of expertise. I don't know how you recruit it. I don't know how you marshal it. I don't know how you coach it. But all I do know is by the results is that we finish 11th or 12th, and generally 12th out of 12 teams in both men's and women's in uh, all forms of running in circles or and running. UCF straight. finishes 11th and gets six and, points for it. And gets six points for it. And like. So don't compete for an all-sports trophy if you're not going to try and compete in all sports. And so they signed up for this. Fine. Let's do it. If we're going to do this stupid thing, and I have objections to the fact that we should be doing it in the first place, but if we're going to do this stupid thing, then compete in all sports. Um, and fund track to the point where they can co- field a competitive program. Fund the program where they can get the kind of kids that they need to try and compete at a decent level. It's not like they don't do that. Like We all remember the Matthew O'Neill kid, the, the jumper. He was good. You know, mm. they have a kid sticks his head out every once in a while and it's pretty good. Um, but they don't consistently compete for points as a team. Um, and they get drilled on a very regular basis. And that's probably pretty bad. And uh, you could really trace this back to the whole power five debate as well. USF is losing their best Tampa kids to other schools. That's the other part. Tampa is one of the most aside from Miami. Tampa is one of the most talent-rich area areas for track field. I covered it really? for it is. I covered it for a year. I ran it for I ran track for six, and I covered it for a year. And Tampa is stocked with high school track and field talent from everything from sprints to distance. Um, there's a girl at East Lake by the name of Parker Valby. She just said it. Did you say East Lake, my alma mater? East Lake High School, yes. There was a girl that just set a um, state track and field meet record in the 3,200 meters. Um, I want to say she's a junior, but she is really good. There's a girl at Riverview High School, my alma mater, named Alyssa Hendricks, that has won back-to-back state championships in cross country and the 1,600 and the 3,200. Um, and... Both of those both of those girls are not going to USF. They will probably go to Power Five programs, but USF is losing its best talent to other schools because Tampa is so rich in track and field. You know, the three richest areas for Florida track and field are Miami, obviously, um, Miami, Tampa, and Jacksonville area down to down the St. John's River to about Creekside High and St. Augustine area, Bartram Trails, uh, Creekside High. Um, Ponte Vedra is really good. Bowles is really good. You're losing all of those in-state kids to out-of-state programs. Wow. But you're also losing those kids out-of-state programs who excel at track and field. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. And you're not going to attract those kids if you're fielding teams that finish 11th or 12th in their respective conference. So it's just sort of like building on top of itself. So maybe you need a change at coach to just sort of – Give some spark and let people know that we're like going to try and seriously compete in the sport. Um, yeah. So the, the other part of that question, who's going to get hired away? I mean, got to be Brian Gregory, right? 
Oh, God, please don't say that. Don't say it. It's so true, probably. But Unless non-head coaches matter, because Curran Bell's totally going <laughs> to. Um, <laughs> there, there's no way in heck. Here's the thing. You know, I, don't think, I don't think BG goes. I, I think he's, at least now, I mean, within the next two to three years, I think there's too much stock in, in what he's put together. So then you got to talk about guys like Steve Bradley, Ashley Fisher, um, Denise Shilty Brown, who's both Canadian and played college at Maryland and has been here a while and um, yeah. has certainly won here. Um, See, the, the, the country club sports, and maybe you can kind of elaborate, uh, those of you who have been around the program. So it, being in the state of Florida, being in the South, has those, has some built-in benefits. Would they leave for like a middling Power Five job, even if the money's a little bit better, or being able to be here, have access to it, and already have programs that are humming, like at historical, historically great levels, is that enough to keep them? I, I wouldn't think like a Bradley or a Fisher would leave at the first job that they got or offer that they got. And you've got to ask Brian Gregory the same question. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I put basketball a little bit where the Power Five money is a huge gap difference. Sure. Depending on who you're going to get. Now, I personally think he likes it here. And I think he likes the watch building build, part. By the way, but more so with the question who's the next. I don't think anyone's going to be hired away until possibly that. You look at that jump, and that's pretty much huge. But Look, man, Brian Gregory's done a hell of a job here. And if he got this thing to the NCAA tournament next year and people came after him, if he left us for a, a high major job, Go with God, my man. Thank you for yeah. your service. That's yeah. just where we are in the American Conference. We're going to lose coaches. You know, if you lose, you're going to get fired. If you win, somebody's going to come get you. This is how it is for probably. Is a great example. Yeah, you know, like this. <laughs> and by the way, him going to UCLA. <laughs> Good We've hire. Good <laughs> hire, UCLA. L O L O L. What are you doing? Um, why would you like? You're UCLA. Like that is. You know, whether it should be or not, it is it is your signature program, and you go out and get a guy who hasn't been to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament um, unless he's on his couch, and that just that's crazy. That I don't know what the hell they were thinking with that hire. Like that man, UCLA should be so good, and it's just it's a joke. Anyway, um, I just saw Connor pop on Slack. Oh, well, looky there. I want my Burns. <laughs> Where's my Burns dinner? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Kurt Connor told all of us, there is, quote, no way the Lightning don't win the Stanley Cup this year. They are just too good. <laughs> don't I'm buying Burns Colin. for everybody if they don't win at all. Um, and then they just didn't win the a playoff game. It. What? Just tell me the date. Dinner and I am flying to town. <laughs> and Sid's flying in from Seattle. Um, Speaking of, next too. question. Go. All right. Uh, so uh, to stay uh, with football, uh, Eric Cullis, the question has to do with recent transfers. And it might have been answered previously, but has Coach Strong getting rid of the previous coaches and players that were dismissed really re-energized the program? Uh, getting a lot of talented portal players as well as the coaching staff just means more in with the players. Yes. Yes. 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> means more. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because there is no negativity. It's a fresh start. 
the, the 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 players coming in are getting a fresh start at a new university with a f- rearranged staff. They're getting a, a new start, a fresh start, and it's great for them. I think it's a great atmosphere. I mean, and it's kids that are getting a second chance. And I think, and I think that that Charlie, in a way, is getting a second chance by hiring Kerwin. So, Will, you sound like a Willie Tiger in 2012. Rah, rah. These kids just like each other more. We just love each other more than we did last year. You know, blah, 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 blah. But in this case, I actually do agree with you. Um, oh, thanks. The, I normally think this rah, rah, sis, boom, bah, bullshit is just exactly bullshit. Um, you win because you have better players. You win because you have, you know, coaches that that scheme the talent and don't talent the scheme. Um, I, you know, I I think that's how you win football games in the long run. But in this case, I think it, it was so toxic at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Everything around that program was just so completely toxic, internally, externally. Um, it could not have gone worse, and. You know, Charlie brought on a lot of that himself, but he also hired some really bad people. Well, he cleared out a lot of really bad people. And uh, he didn't necessarily – he brought them with him. That was the thing. I think there yeah. was an old baggage in no, Texas. Yeah, for sure. He brought he brought the wrong people with him from Texas. Um, and, you know, that's that's his fault. He needs to take accountability for that, but he did make those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was certainly some administrative help in helping him get guys like Kerwin Bell in the door and to get younger, smarter, faster – um, and ready to go out and make some changes. So I normally think Rob Ross Sismumbal is bullshit, but in this case, I actually do think it's going to help, and I think USF will be better this year because of it. Yeah, I mean, the energy is there. They're excited. Blake is a lot more energized. I've talked to him a little bit, you know, off the record and all that, and seems a lot happier. I mean, at least from the way that he did in press conferences, I mean, he just... He just seemed happier. I mean, he just I know I know it's the off season and he gets to see his kid more and his and his wife, but he just seemed happier and you know, a couple other players did too when I talked to him. Yeah, I everybody that I've talked to around the program says the same thing, so I'm pretty excited. I think I think they're gonna be pretty good. Um I hope so. But Cincinnati's schedule I think the schedules uh, the out of conference schedule is really gonna challenge them and bring them to a new level. Because you're gonna see teams that you just haven't seen. You know, you're gonna see whiskey, you're gonna see BYU. Two teams that, you know, you just haven't seen. And, you know, you get a new new rotation, so you get to see Navy again. And a lot of these players haven't seen Navy. And I think that's I think that's big I think that's a big change and I think it's a a different look, you know. It's I think it I think it works. I think that's totally irrelevant. Um, I think that's you know it doesn't matter who you're playing. So if you're good or you're not good, I think they're going to be good. Um, so well, I'm, I'm a little excited we'll see. to see, especially with the new offensive coordinator. Steve brings something up. Normally, game one you play at you know an FCS team, and then especially last year, the first seven games weren't much, so you were hiding things, or at least what we felt was sandbagging. Corumbell, there's nothing to hide. You're playing. A, you're going to play a top 15 team. Or at worst, top twenty-five. So you're high flying at that point. And with the new offensive coordinator, there's going to be no sandbagging. There's going to be no, hey, we're going to hide plays or whatever. What we thought was happening, if that was happening or not. So I'm looking forward to just kind of seeing that because you'll see what the team is at least attempting to game plan. Unless for whatever reason you say, well, we're going to either try to win doing this, and if it fails, it fails. But it doesn't seem like that's the kind of coach Corwin Bell is. No, and I think he, I, I think he wants better as well. And I think he, 
I think he realizes that, and I think that's part of why Charlie ended up hiring him. For sure. All right, Seb, let's go. All right. Uh, so actually, there's only about two more questions left because the rest of them are about logos, and we've talked to death about the, about the logos. So uh, let's see here. Um, actually, we got a question from Heath. Uh, oh, boy. Favorite Avenger is now on the USF football team. Who is it, and what position do you put them at? I've never seen an Avenger. I don't know what one looks like. I, you know, I've never seen a movie. Yet. <laughs> wow. I got nothing. Professor I, I, Holt. Saw the Holt. Last night. I saw the last, I saw the last movie last night and it was absolutely incredible. Yep. Absolutely. Professor Hulk, give him the rock all of the time. Try bringing him down. <laughs> You're not wrong. All right. Uh, back to football and more transfers. Uh, from Yellowbird, Mar- Yellowbird Marketing, excuse me, should we expect any more transfers prior to camp? Mm, pre- transfers? That's incredibly hard to predict. It's just going to depend on who's up in the portal. I would tend to think that at this point you're probably pretty set. I know they have, I do know they have scholarships available. Um, so if somebody did come in last minute, they could, they could. Find a spot for him, but there are two players that are going to take the that are going to take scholarships come fall, and they are one of them, as I've mentioned before, Dakota Trice. Okay. Second one, Bryce Miller. Okay. Bryce Miller. Like- Bryce Bryce Miller should have a scholarship spot. He had such a good spring. There is no way that he comes into the fall. You know, and he's already bat. He was already battling Eddie McDoom and Randall St. Felix and Doctor uh, Professor Stanley Clairvaux. Um, MBA, ABD, MBD, yeah, whatever. Um, he was already battling those guys and still outshone them. So there's no reason for me not to think that Bryce Miller is going to get a a scholarship spot and b good playing time. I'll tell you how he doesn't get a scholarship. We bring in three kids off the street that don't have scholarships that we can get in. And we can tell him, hey, you're still a walk-on. <laughs> like, these things. Yeah, look, crush man, my dreams. Is, the, right. It, it's, look, scholarships are a numbers game. Once you put a kid on, you can't take him off. Um, so you also not only have to look at this year, but you also have to look the following year. Um, you always, of course, want coaches to do the right thing and put kids on scholarship. You know, I think all of us would agree that Greg Reeves, even though he played completely out of position last year, um, was 1,000% deserving of being of con- being converted from walk-on to scholarship. 100%. And you want to see st- yeah, and you want to see stories like that where kids like can find a way to get in the room um, and work their way onto a scholarship. But you only get 85 of them. So guess what? If there's three four stars in the transfer portal and we got three open spots, there ain't nobody on this team getting a scholarship. Sure. And I well, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. I just I don't think they're going to get three transfers. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure. I I agree. So I think it is. Um, you know, something to be held back. But of course you want to take care of the kids that are already here. It would be nice if they did change the rule and, you know, the final five scholarships or whatever you want to allot could be partial and broken up. Um, you know, not have them be full head count. Cause right now you either get a full scholarship or no scholarship, um, in football. And it would mm-hmm. be nice if they could split that up a little bit, but, um, well, and some of the guys that they have on there too, or, you know, on academic scholarship at some point. You sure. Know, that's what Christian Helms is. So Christian Helms, the kid out of Sefner Christian is going to be on, he's going to be on academic scholarship. Yeah. These kids, you know, you know what you can call a kid on a bright future scholarship. I'll walk on. Um, 
Well, and that's because you get 105, you get 105 as your roster cap. So if you can find 20 kids that are really smart and, and can combine like some sort of institutional, legitimate academic aid with bright futures and whatever else you can find, that's awesome. You know, don't waste a headcount on a kid who doesn't need it. So, um, but, you know, it's hard to find really smart football players that can also like, you know, contribute to your team. Well, I think uh, I think there's a couple of them on this team. That's awesome. All right, are we done, Sed? Uh, one last question. We're getting new uniforms for next year, right? Fuck yeah. All right, and that's it, boys. Absolutely. Yeah, um, the reason that so – I, I think we've discussed this before, but um, basically um, the Adidas and USF got the jump late last year that – it's a little bit of Adidas's fault because they didn't exactly turn the product quick. It's also a little bit of USF's fault because they didn't sign the damn contract. Thank you to the general counsel's office. Um, so, yeah, last year was just sort of like thrown together at the last minute. There were teams practicing in the fall in some of the Olympic sports, like literally buying gear at like the sports authority and like having to wear that because they didn't have their gear yet from Adidas uh, when practices started in the fall. Um, so, yeah, some crazy-ish happened last year. That won't happen this year. Uniforms are going to be new. They're going to be lit. Um, bring out the blacks, baby. I still love the blacks. Let's do this. They make for such great pictures. I agree. That's just photo, that UConn photo album I have. Ooh, we. I wish they weren't in the property of somebody else. <laughs> and if we're going to play, somebody. yeah. And if we're going to play Scotty at night, dude, just bust out the blacks and play Scotty and black, man. It's going to be night anyway. It's not like the sun's going to matter. But don't, but don't surprise the kids. Because that was the biggest problem last year, I think. You really think the kids are that stupid that they can't get just like, oh, this is lit, and then like get out there and be all hyped? You'd, You'd be really surprised. Think it's that distracting? Really You'd be surprised? <laughs> there, there is no way that that was just a lame excuse. Uh, okay. Well, it was a lame excuse for Charlie to use it, but I think there's a little bit of truth to it. Interesting. And that's that's just, I, I've been around. I mean, it could be different between the high school and, and college level. Oh, I'd never do it to high school kids. You kidding me? They'd, they'd all over the place. But man, look, you know, by the time you're 21, 22, you're supposed to be old enough to know better. All right, we're done. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.